Lord, we honor you today. We say boldly and unashamedly, you are our God. There's none other than, uh, none like you. No one else we want to follow and serve. We willfully give you our allegiance. We choose daily to take up our cross and follow you. We want to live for you. This is just temporary here on earth. We want to make you happy. We want you to smile when you call our name. We want to hear you say well done when we see you face to face. Well, let your presence and let your glory just fill this place. It's almost beyond comprehension. I can't understand your presence. I can only be aware of it. I relish it. I pray today as we open the Bible that its words would bring life to us. I pray that you would speak to all of us in some way. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Give your neighbor a high five. Say thank God for air conditioning. Maybe seated. Well, turn your Bibles. Mark chapter 10. I appreciate so much. You either bring your Bibles to church. Makes it sounds good to hear those pages turning. Mark chapter 10 is where we're going to begin this morning. How many know when you're going to talk about dads of necessity, you have to talk about kids? Because dads are dads because there's kids in the loop. Well, this morning, I want to look a little bit about what the Bible has to say about kids, uh, what Jesus thought about children, what you might think about them, and perhaps your thinking may be shaped. I don't know what your view of the Bible is, but when I go to the Bible, I don't just see if it agrees with me. I see if I agree with it, and if I don't, I want to shape my thinking to the Bible. See, the Bible is not just an optional book in my understanding. It's the inspired Word of God. It's, it's God's revealed truth to us. And I want to think like God thinks. I want to value what God values. I don't want to just be a hearer but a doer of the Word. So when I see how Jesus treats children, I should emulate that example. When I see His attitudes, I want the same one. Verse 13, the people brought children to Jesus. This is the message Bible I'm reading from today, by the way. They brought children to Jesus hoping He might touch them. In other words, they were looking for a blessing. They were looking for some sense of God's touch on their life. The disciples, though, shooed them off. But Jesus was irate and let them know it. Isn't that cool? Jesus was mad at the disciples because the way that they were minimizing the children. Don't push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. Now, that's big. These children are at the very center of life in the kingdom. Then, of course, he said you've got to become like a little child to inherit the kingdom of God. He was talking about the faith of the child, the innocence of a child, the trust. But look at verse 16. Then Jesus, after the disciples were pushed away, he gathered the children in his arms. He laid his hands of blessing on them. Now, can I tell you, that's the heart of God towards kids. Jesus really loves kids. How many know he loved kids in the Bible days? He loves children today. He wants us to love kids. He wants us to take care of kids. He wants us to raise kids right. And that's kind of where I'm going this morning. He wants us to raise kids right. Today, I'm going to talk about four special needs that kids have. And kids, I'm not just saying elementary age or preschool age. I'm 54 and I'm still a kid at heart. How about you? I still need to hear my dad say he loves me and he's proud of me. It just does something to me. I'm 54 years of age. I know what it does for me. I want to do it as much as possible for other people. But there's four needs we're going to talk about this morning, what every child needs. Um, the application now is not just to dads and moms. Maybe you're, maybe you're in school. I see we've got a, 
principals here from schools. You may be a teacher. Uh, you may be a coach. You may be a mentor to kids. Uh, you may teach a Sunday school class. You just may take notice of the kids in your neighborhood. I guarantee you that all of us at some level have influence with children. They may be kids that we know up close. It may be kids that we know casually. But you have an ability to make a difference in a child's life. You may be here today. You may be a younger person and say, well, I don't have any kids. I promise you, if you'll listen to me, you'll know how to, how, to, how to understand your friends and how to treat them in a way, how to meet some of their needs and deepen your friendship. So something here for everybody. Let me tell you these four needs we're going to talk about today. Number one, I need my dad, my mom, people that care about me, I need them to tell me they love me and they're proud of me. That's number one. Number two, I need to tell, I need my parents, I need dad to tell me the difference between right and wrong. We live in a culture today that doesn't really know. The lines are blurred today. Number three, I need dad. I need people that love me to love me when I mess up. And how many people mess up in here? Let me see your hand here. This is a telling the truth service now. How many mess up a lot? Come on. And you don't want God to throw you away, do you? I guarantee, and we were worshiping today, uh, you probably did something this week that made you a little reluctant to go to church, a little reluctant to maybe, how could I go before God having done it again? So if you want God to have grace for you, how many know our kids need extra grace when they mess up? And lastly, you need to teach your children how to be successful. Now, I think that's something that, that just it is lost in our world today. It's become blurred in America. And I want to show you the, what the Bible really talks about success when God talked to Adam and Eve and how they're supposed to live their lives. And you can give that same thing to your kids. So let's start Luke chapter 3. Four needs children have. And the first one is, I need you to tell me that you love me and tell me you're proud of me. Now, I think the example I'm going to give you is probably the greatest example in the entire world because it's the words that Jesus Christ, when he was on this earth, about 30 years of age, starting out his ministry on earth, what his heavenly Father said to him. Now, this was, a, this was an amazing time. He's being baptized. The heavens open up. The Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, and this booming voice says something. Now, listen to what God said, the Father said to his son. When all the people were baptized, verse 21, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. The Holy Spirit came, and verse 22 says this, A voice came from heaven which said, You, say it with me, You are my beloved Son, and you I'm... Let's say that again. You are my... I love you, and you I'm... I'm proud of you. Now, 12 words, I think. Think of all the things the Father could have said to Christ the Son. Now, Jesus created everything. They could have referred to something in creation. Uh, they could have referred to the task Jesus had to do. Uh, the Father could have given him an update what's been going on in heaven. Uh, he could have talked about his favorite angel. Uh, he could have told Jesus about some task he needed to do. He could have warned him about something. But of all that could have been talked about, the, the Heavenly Father said in everybody's hearing, I love you and I'm proud of you. Now, that's impactful. Why did, why, why did he say that? Now, obviously, it doesn't tell us this is why, but I'll suggest something to you. How many know Jesus was both God and man? He was somehow divine, but at the same time, he was a human being. And as a human being, he had some needs. He needed to be the affirmation of his Father. He needed to know that he was loved and what he was doing was important. Who do kids want to impress most? Yeah, when your kid's playing ball, listen, and your kid comes, and your kid hits a foul ball, and you're used to them striking out, I mean, you go crazy. 
We got a foul ball today. Daddy, 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 oh, and they're dragging the bat as they run to first base. They're looking at dad, they're looking at mom, they're looking at significant others in their life. You know, it may be an aunt, it may be an uncle, it may be a coach, but somebody, your child, is looking to hear those words from. You see, the words you say to your children have the power to either build them up or tear them down. You know the scripture, it's Proverbs 18, it says what, life and death? The power of the tongue. Now the Message Bible says this, it says words kill and words give life. Your words will kill or they'll give life. They're uh, either poison or fruit. You choose. Now, I want to tell you, it's not just kids. How many know your spouse? The people that work for you, the people on the ball team, the people at work, your words are life-giving or they're life-destroying. I, I, I can remember I was, uh, was raised on a farm. I was taught to work at an early age, and, and uh, I wanted to make my dad happy. I always knew my dad loved me. My dad always pushed me, but I can remember it. I was probably maybe 10 or 11, and uh, we were always behind. Dad was always in a rush. He was a farmer. He was always this far from going broke, and everything was in a hurry. And he gave me a, hand, uh, a sack of corn seeds. We'd planted the, the crops, and this was, you know, kind of for our garden. And uh, it was a planter. It had four, you know, four uh, planter boxes and put these seeds in. So he gave me this bag of seeds. And, and, and my nature, I'm very meticulous. I want to do it just right. So I'm taking these seeds. I'm 11. Now, if you can imagine, I'm putting one... Two, three, four, five. You know what I'm saying? One, two, three, four. Well, Dad comes out after he, I guess he had to go make a phone call in the house. No cell phones in those days. And I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember him dumping that corn seed. It's gone. Let's go. But he said something to me that just made me wilt. See, we don't understand other people that are different from us. We, his nature was just get it done and get it done quick, and we got to get down the road. Mine was a little meticulous, and his words had a crushing effect on me. Now, having said that, though, I don't remember my dad telling me he loved me a lot when I was young. I think that was probably the same thing maybe his dad did. But since I've been 30, uh, since I was 30 years of age, I, every time I talk to my dad, he tells me he loves me. And can I tell you, it means something to me. I'm 54 years of age, and I still need my father to say, I love you, and I'm proud of you. And guess what? Your kids need it too. Children, friends, kids need those significant people in their life to help them believe in themselves. You think you have a confidence problem. Your children are trying to determine if they're okay and if they've got what it takes. See, the world they live in, kids make fun of them if they're not dressed right. They make fun of them if their ears are this or that, or their neck is this or that, or their feet is this or that. And, and the world surrounds them about what they're not and who's in, and, and there's this pressure. But guess what? They look to you to tell them they're okay, and they're special, and they've got a destiny on their life. On the other hand, if you tell your kid they're stupid all the time, they're going to raise to the level of your expectations. Words kill... And words do what? Give life. So I want to encourage you. Make a decision today that virtually every day of your life that you're going to tell your kids that very thing. Texting is so wonderful. I tell my kids every day in the evening before we go to bed, I love you. I mean, let them hear it. Say it to them because it'll make a huge difference. Come on, give the Lord a hand this morning. You need it and your kids need it. Now go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6, show me the difference between right and wrong. Now, you may think, ah, this is not that big a deal. Everybody knows. No, we don't know the difference between right and wrong today. It's, it's become lost in modern America. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. Now, God is speaking to Moses to speak to the people. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. 
Get them inside of you and then do what? On the screen. Get them inside your what? Children. So get my words, truth, what's right, inside of you, and then I want you to get it inside your kids. And then, and then he gives a description to us. He says, talk about them wherever you are, whether you're sitting at home, walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall in bed at night. Now, you're not necessarily going around with a Bible banging your, faith, your five-year-old on the head. And did, by the way, did you catch what all those preschoolers said they like to do best with dad? What they say? Yeah. Which is simply code for saying, spend a little time with me, Dad. There's no substitute for it. But guess what? In the middle of this, you, even as you're playing with your kid, you can be teaching them the ways of God. You know, on a rare occasion, I, I get my kids to come in the garden, or if I get them to take a picture or something of something that I grew, then, you know, I can always say, now look what the Lord did. Look what God caused to grow in our garden. See, you are constantly being the one that tells your children the ways of God. There was a time, I would even go as far as to say, I believe it's the number one job of a parent is to teach your child the ways of God. Now, listen, somehow, though, in our world today, the pressures of dance lessons and, you know, volleyball camp and all the things that your kids are doing seems, seems to squeeze it out. There was a day in America where you could kind of trust our culture because American culture would somehow instill Christian values. But can I tell you, that is not, not, no longer true. How many remember the day when stores were closed on Sunday? Now, the only one I can think of today is, guess who? Chick-fil-A. Chick now, why were they closed on Sunday? Is because Sunday was what? It was the Lord's Day. It was the Christian Sabbath. It was the day of rest. Well, that's disappeared in our culture. Our culture's changed. There was a day when people were embarrassed when someone cursed in public. There was a day when people were embarrassed when someone dressed immodestly. Not any longer. I mean, it's just push it as far as you can go. This whole thing with Congressman Weiner, I mean, it, it just keeps going and going and going because the world pushes the envelope as far as it can go. How many know it? Sometimes you need to just turn the TV off. What's right and what's wrong? See, there was a day when the Bible was taught in school, when marriage was considered sacred and divorce was rare, but not anymore. Listen, people do not know the difference between right and wrong. Adult people that should know better don't. But kids especially don't. The psychologists say they're a blank slate waiting for you to write on, the, on their heart. For example, kids want to know today, is sexting okay? I didn't say texting. Some of you are still struggling with that. Sexting is another level. It's where you're taking pictures, you know, when you're nude or half nude, and you're sending them to your friends. I mean, that's, that's, is it okay? And if it's wrong, why is it wrong? Teach me, Mom. Teach me, Dad, about modesty. Teach me that it's important to be a, to be a virgin, and teach me why. Teach me that it can be a great thing when I get married, that I've not slept with anyone else. And if I've gotten off track, then from now until then, that I can keep myself pure. Teach me, Dad, because they're not going to teach me in school. They're going to teach me in sex education class about condoms. Can we get real this morning? Your kids need to know. Is it okay to lie to get something I want? Is it okay to lie? If I go in politics... I mean, it seems like I just, I am amazed at what people that are leading our country, D's and R's alike, say. It's just almost like, I can't believe what you're saying. Because you're just telling me a lie. Your kids need to know that there's a difference between right and wrong. Uh, what's wrong, Dad, with my kids, with the music they're listening to? 
Well, son, let me tell you what's wrong. They're talking about suicide, and suicide is the taking of a human life. And the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. I like the beat. I know it's not just the beat, though. It's the words. See, these are issues of right and wrong. In our world today, it's like you get to make up right and wrong on your own. Nobody, nobody can impose their morality on you. I wish somebody would impose, come on, morality on me. I, I, I want God's morality in my life. I'm not going to fight it. I believe God's ways are better than mine. Your kids need to know. Your kids need to know, is it okay to stand on the side of the road with a sign and begging for money because you're too lazy to work? Well, you're just insensitive. We followed some of these folks, by the way, after you've taken, they've taken your money and they go to the pawn shop and buy television. Now, it may be one out of five are legitimate, but listen, your kid needs to know that laziness is not an attribute to have in your life. You've got to get out of bed. That's why you've got to turn the video game off, and that's why you can't watch movies at two in the morning, because you've got to get up and go to work. Let's go to the book of Leviticus or something fun, okay? Let's... How should I dress, Dad? Well, maybe not the way they're dressing on the Disney Channel. But if that's the greatest influence... Now, listen, I've got kids, and I know the pressure parents. And my wife tells me how hard it is to find a one-piece bathing suit. So there's pressures that are out in the world, but kids need to know. Kids need to know. Uh, is it okay to have sex when I like somebody? They need to know. They need to know. Uh, am I better than other people because of the color of my skin? They need to know these things. Well, who are they going to hear them from? Listen, they're either going to hear them from you when you are talking to them and imprinting God's commands, or they're going to pick up the standards of the world, and they're going to be worldly. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train children to live the right way, and when they're old, they'll not stray from it. So, my, my friends, there's a right way and a wrong way, and can I tell you, dads, it is your job to teach children the right way. Come on, give the Lord a, a, another good hand today. Luke chapter 15, Luke 15, this is a good one. Love me when I mess up. Love me when I mess up. Uh, this is a story, we don't have time to read all of it, but I'm going to capture one verse. It's the story of what's called the prodigal son. It is a picture, it's the third of parable that Jesus told about how God relates to that which is lost. He lost coins, he lost sheep, and now there's a lost son. And it's a picture of how God our Father relates to us when we mess up. Well, see, when, when, when sin has pulled us away, but how he yearns for us to come to him. But it is a great example about how God wants us to love people who mess up. Now, how many know even the guy that was in the, your Sunday paper today, if not today, it'll be there tomorrow, some new person in an orange suit on the front of the newspaper? Now, that person still needs somebody to love them even though they messed up. I don't, I don't mean they don't need to go through the judicial system. I don't mean that they might not serve jail time. I mean, no, love does not mean I just let everybody out of jail. But it simply means in the middle of that, somebody still needs to love that person because just because they've messed up does not mean they're not worthy of being loved. See, there's a difference between loving somebody and approving of their behavior. I can still love you but not approve of what you're doing. I can still bring consequences to bear in your life because of your sin but I can still love you in the midst of it. So here's the picture. You've got this, uh, this son. He's called the prodigal son. Two brothers, 
uh, one brother tells his daddy, he said, Daddy, give me my inheritance, which was possible under Jewish law. Rather than waiting till dad died, they could give it to their kids while they were alive. Well, one son took all the money. He, as soon as he got the money, uh, he went to the store. He bought the fastest, sharpest, most expensive car that they had on the car lot. He drove to Tunica. He had a great time there. He left his car in the parking lot. He got a, caught a plane in Memphis. He flew to the Bahamas. From the Bahamas, he flew to New York. Then he did a tour of Europe, and then he was broke, and his credit card was all maxed out, and all his friends that loved him for what he had weren't there anymore. Now, that's kind of, in their, that's in our vernacular, but in their day, he still messed up real bad, spent dad's money in wild or prodigal living, and then he, the Bible says, a famine came. Now, can I tell you, sometimes God's gift is a famine. Because what happens is a famine, that is when you don't have what you want or need, it makes you aware of your need for God, and it makes you aware of what you did. Sometimes you need to let your kids have a famine rather than just enable them to keep on the path their own. That's just a little extra now. It is a challenge. I have found there is no one formula for every to raise every child. There's some principles, but listen, there is no one way to raise every child. So this child comes to himself and says, if I could just go, I'm eating pig slop. You, we may not can relate to that, but imagine if all you have to eat is some dog food that you steal from somebody's dog dish. Come on. You're living on the street, you're, you're sleeping in, 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 in alleyways, and, and somebody's got a dog, and you go up when the dog's asleep, and you get some of the dog food, and you're surviving. And finally you said, there's got to be a better way. I'm going home to Dad. Now, mind you, you're going home to the same Dad that you basically took his money, embarrassed him, shamed him, wasted it all, uh, made, broke Mother's heart, but now you think you can go home. And look at verse 20. He returned home to his father while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Now, what does that mean? Dad was looking for him. And I'm sorry, but if your child goes haywire, it's just your responsibility to look for them no matter how far they go. Listen, many of you know the pain of not knowing where your child is at this moment. You don't know how, where they were last night. It is unimaginable pain. I mean, I, I, I don't know what we did before cell phones where you could call up and say, Bethany, where are you? But I'm telling you, if you don't know where your child is, but you're looking for them. And God was looking for this boy. God's looking for us. And notice, filled with love and compassion, what did he do? He ran to his son. He embraced him. And what did he do? Now, listen, let me say this. Everybody needs somebody to love them when they mess up. That does not mean that you don't have standards. Every child needs to be taught. Come on. Every child needs to be taught right and wrong. How many were taught right and wrong as a kid? Let me see your hand. How many messed up anyway? So should you be thrown? How many are still messing up? Let me see your hand. Okay. All right. There, here we go. Now we're being real. You're way more real than they were in first service. I'm telling you, they were, just, they were just religious people, I guess, or perfect. But we're down to earth here in this second service. I know when I mess up. I don't need somebody to just put my face in the dog. You know, I, don't like, I, I know. But I also don't need uh, someone to just say it's not a big deal. L let me tell you about authority just a minute. Parental authority, the purpose of a parent's authority is to prepare their child for ultimate authority with God. It is one day your children are going to have to give an account for God for their life. And you want to instill authority which implies commandments and boundaries. Well, guess what? If your authority doesn't work, what are they going to run into? Civil authority. The sheriff is there. The judge is there. Now, maybe they get out twice, but third strike, you've got time in jail, buddy. Well, what is that authority for? To prepare you for ultimate authority, which is God. 
So you as a parent cannot be so loosey-goosey that they get to do anything and no big deal and I don't care what you do, you know, steal from me, tear up my stuff. It just, oh, I didn't. No, you have standards, you have boundaries, there's discipline, there's confrontation, but in all of that, there is still love that does not quit when you mess up. Now, it may be tough and it may be harsh, but that child, your child, needs to always know that we love you. And the hardest thing we've ever had to do is to put you out of our house because you're pulling your brother and sister in the ditch with your drug friends. Come on. But we love you enough and we love them enough to say, you know what, when you change, you're welcome back here. We'll give you food to eat, but we're not going to perpetuate you doing drugs and stealing and living crazy. It just, it's, it's complicated. It's complicated and it's different with each child how far you go and what you do. Let me give you a story. And I shared, the, I shared this. I, I got permission to share this. A young man used to be a member of our church. His name was Demetrius Hayes. Lunch with him the other day, and uh, he's in his early 30s now, and he was telling me about his, reminded me about his past. He said, when I was 16, I got my girlfriend pregnant. I mean, that's not a good thing. I mean, every parent's worst nightmare, you know, your kid gets pregnant. Gets pregnant, goes home, and he finally tells his dad. I want you to think about what his parents did now. His dad said, we are not going to abandon that child, and you're not going to walk away from your responsibilities. Tomorrow, I'm getting you a job, and we're going to homeschool you. The next day, he's washing dishes at Shoney's. Now, fast forward 15, 16, 17 years. Today, he's managing one of the most successful restaurants in Texarkana on the border. He's still married to his wife, and that little girl is the love of his life. And he's pastoring a church now, by the way. So, ha wait a minute. Life is supposed to be over at 16 if you're pregnant. Yeah, but dad, come on, and mom, or an uncle, or a friend, or a Christian can get involved and say, I'm going to help you out of the ditch. I'm going to pull you out of the miry clay. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to homeschool you. I'm going to get you a job. I'm going to show you how to wash a dish. I'm going to get your rear end out of bed and make you go to work. What is that? That is love. And that's what parents, that's what's uncles, that's what's aunts, that's what we do. And that's how we help people. We love them even when they mess up. Give the Lord a good hand this morning. Let, 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 me, give you, let me give you one more this morning. And then we've got a, a little gift for the dads and a little funny video to close. Genesis 1. I want you to turn your Bibles. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And here's this last one. Teach me how to be successful in life. Now I want everybody to respond to this question. And I want, I want to know, how many people want to be a poor failure in life? Let me see your hand. How many people would like to have enough money to live a good life and be successful? Let me see your hand. Can I tell you, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. Now I want you to listen to what the Bible has to say. Genesis 1.28. Again, the Message Bible is what I'm using this morning. I use a lot of translations. And God speaking to Adam and Eve. Chapter 1 now. Very significant when God is painting a picture of the purpose of life. He's painting a picture of your outlook on life. And here's what he tells the first human beings representative of us. God blessed them. God's intention is favor. And listen to what he said. Prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Now... Other translations say, subdue the earth, govern the earth, take dominion over the earth, reign. 
Now, it's pretty easy to reproduce and fill the earth. That's just fooling around having babies. I mean, it didn't, you, you, anybody can do that. But all the rest of it is different. Prosper. Take charge. Say it with me. Be responsible. Subdue. Take dominion. These are different. This is the picture of the purpose of your life. It's what we call work. Some of us have relegated, no, I'm going to go to work today. There needs to be something more than going to work today. It's, it's supposed to be the purpose of life. And it is, it is filled with being responsible, with taking initiative, with prospering. You do not prosper automatically. You prosper, listen, because you work hard, because you accomplish things. Guess what we call it in America today? We call it capitalism. It is what has made our nation great, where the individual is responsible for their own life. They get an idea. They pursue something. They take a risk. They work hard. They give themselves to it. It begins to prosper and grow and flourish, and then they enjoy the benefits. That, my friend, is prosperity. But it involves prosperity, taking charge, being responsible, facing difficulties head on. When you fall, you get up and try again till you succeed. It is enjoying the fruit of your labor. Kids need to be taught this outlook in life because there is an enemy in their thinking that is trying to take Genesis 1.28 away from them today. It is modern America offers a different alternative. It is the welfare state. Now listen to this. And don't hear, I can guarantee you, we got polarized. You went from listening to a shepherd, a pastor, a Bible teacher, and your mind was filled with Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, white, black. It's amazing to me how words or phrases polarize. If I said President Obama, some of you would frown and some of you would smile. If I said Rush Limbaugh, frown, smile. And we can just go down the list. I want to encourage you not to let worldly labels and boxes keep you from hearing the Bible. That's all I have to say about that. Modern America offers a different way of life. Big government socialism promises cradle-to-grave care. It creates an entitlement mentality. People become lazy and dependent on the government to take care of them. They lose initiative and confine themselves to poverty. And kids raised this way will never prosper, be responsible, have dominion, and subdue the earth. I'm telling you, my friends, we live in a world that is very subtle. And for, let me say this. I am proud to live in a nation that will give food to people that are hungry. I am proud to live in a nation that helps people that are struggling. That if you don't have a place to live in America, you don't have to live on the street. Come on, thank God now. Thank God for the social net that we have. Thank God that if there is someone that cannot be cared for, somehow the government will take care of the, of the person need to psychiatric care, of the person that struggles with a handicap, or whatever the case is. Thank God that we have a big safety net. But can I tell you, the safety net has become a way of life, and that is robbing prosperity from people. It is robbing from them. Listen, no one may have ever told you this truth. Let me be the first one to tell you. 
Maybe your dad didn't tell you this. Maybe you have been raised in a cycle where you just live waiting for somebody else to take care of you. Now, let me say this again. If you, listen, if you're disabled, thank God for disability insurance and thank God for Social Security. But there's a lot of people that can take care of themselves that don't. And can I tell you, you will never prosper with a 3% cola for your disability. You will never prosper and get ahead. Uh, listen, unemployment insurance. Thank God that there's a system to help you when you lose your job until you get another one. But listen, some people, they're not looking for another job. They just want to use all they can and just live on that because I don't want to go to work. Can I tell you, that is, that is against Genesis 1.28. Preaching better than some of you are amening this morning. See, this is not, I'm not just talking now to the stereotypes. This is not just somebody that's third generation living in a, a housing complex. This is middle America today. Half of Americans pay no taxes, no, no income tax. Now, let me say this. I want to pay as least amount of taxes as I can. I was grateful when I got something called a, what was it, a work Two, three, four hundred dollars off the taxes last year. What do they call that? Uh, oh, what do you call it? And, or whatever it was. I, I, all I know it was a credit. Well, I thought, why do they take my money in the first place? <laughs> we live in a world where, listen, I, I read the other day, one in four or one in five people are being supported by a government check. Now, listen, if you're disabled, if you cannot work, if, you are, if you're poor, if you can't get out of it, I'm not trying to beat you up today, but I'm telling you, it's sucking America in the system. And it's creating people that are dependent and people that are lazy. In Great Britain today, I don't know if you knew this, Great, Cal Thomas in, a, in an editorial the other day, he said, in Great Britain there are over 350,000 households where nobody works. 550,000 people, now, I don't know how they arrived at, the, at that number, 550,000 people have never worked a day in their life and don't want to work. Can I tell you, you will not be a Genesis 128 person that way. You've just got to decide. Are you going to be someone that subdues and takes dominion? Then you've got to be responsible if you're going to prosper the Bible way. Listen, you and God are a majority, friend. Listen, if you're boxed into this thing and don't know how you can get out, let me just first, let me just tell you, you can get out. You can get out. Listen, God is for you. He's not against you. Now, that may mean that you may have to go to school. Listen, bottom line is, your kids need, somebody need to teach your kids to get out of bed. If your kids don't get out of bed, if they don't go to work, come on. If they don't study in school, if you don't prepare for a career, if you don't go to college, or if you don't let someone train and mentor you, you're not going to be prosperous. Listen, the government is not going to give you a brand new HDTV every year. A politician may say, and now you can get a free phone and a free this or free that. Listen, success is not about learning how to sign up for all your benefits. Teach your kids how to be successful. My friends, they need to learn it at home because they're not learning it in the world today. Come on, give the Lord one last big hand. Let me wrap this up this morning. Somebody asked me last service, do you ever get in trouble for talking like that? Sure. 
I'd rather tell you the truth, though. And cover it up. And if you don't want to come next week, you don't have to. I hope you do. I'm going to love you. Listen, I love you if you're dirt poor. I love you if you get every government benefit in the world and never work a day in your life. I will love you. I won't approve of it, but I will love you. But I will tell you, my friends, give your kids a different outlook in life. And if you don't know how to do it, listen, just let them hang out with somebody that's successful. Let them hang out. Robert, you have a, what, a doctorate degree? Or a master's degree? A bachelor's degree? Did you graduate from high school? Now, now, now listen, just a second. Stand up just a minute. I got my GED. But this is one of the most successful people that are sitting in this church today. He's got a big, pretty house. He's got, a, he's got a fine machine that we rode turkey hunting one day. He didn't have any turkeys, but we rode a fine machine to get out there. He's got a family that loves him. He's got kids that work for him, that surround him. He's got a son-in-law that works with him. It doesn't get any better than that. But did you hear what his daughter said? My daddy works hard and my daddy provides for us. I'm telling you, if you want your kids to be successful, if you don't know what to tell them, ask Robert after church, can my kids just hang out with you a little bit? You don't have to pay them anything. Can they just kind of be around you a little bit and learn something? Come on, give him a big hand. We love yeah. you. We're proud of you. Yeah. And guess what? His twin brother is just like him. I'm not going to embarrass you, but stand up. Which one looks better? What do you think? This one or this one? They're great guys. They're great guys. But I want to tell you, they didn't have all the niceties in life. Come on. Everything was not perfect for them. But you get God in Genesis 1.28 working. And you have a change of attitude and a change of outlook in life. You can make something of your life. And your kids can too. These kids need it from you, friends. They need you to tell them that you love them. You're proud of them. They need you to show the difference between right and wrong. They need to love you. You love them when they mess up. And they need you to teach them how to be successful in life. Here's how we're going to close. We've got a pretty cool little closing plan today. I want all the fathers to come on up to the front here just a second. We've got a gift for you. You don't have to hold anybody's hand. Don't worry about it. Come on up here, dads. This doesn't mean you're getting saved, repenting, or anything. It just means I want to give you something. Come on, I want all the dads to come up. And we've got a little funny video we're going to show you. It's called a dad. Uh, it's called a, a mod. I don't know what it's called. It's pretty funny, though. Well, I'm sure that was your favorite kind of music. But you know what? They didn't say they raped somebody, killed somebody, or anything like that, did they? Isn't that interesting how the world just fills it with filth? We use a Christian can laugh about something that's funny, and it's right and it's wrong. We're different. We're different. I want to pray a blessing over your life. You know, God's standing around the altar here. Hundred stories with a hundred guys. Some of us have a perfect little family. Some of us don't know where your kids are. Some of us have lost children. All over the board. I'm going to tell you what, God can help you with the next step of your life. God can cause your influence to grow with children. Your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, kids on the ball team kids that go fishing with you, kids that go hunting with you, the kids in the neighborhood, kids that don't have a daddy, kids in church that you just see and you can just see that blank look on their face that are right where you used to be. You can just reach out to them and bring them over to 
where they need to be. God can help you do that. He can give you purpose. Don't, don't, don't think you're in a box. Don't think there's a lid on your life. You know, wasn't that a great testimony about Robert? See, in the world, you've got to have a doctorate degree or something to be successful. I, I wish, listen, I wish everybody could have a life. Well, guess what? God doesn't love him any more than he loves you. It is not your age. It is not your race. It is not your gender. I mean, no, you've got to be God. And God is for you. If you just try to put him first in life, offer yourself to him afresh each day. There's no telling what the future will hold. Lord, I ask you to bless these guys that are here. Ladies, lift your hand towards them with me. We just pray for a fresh visitation from heaven. We pray for the Spirit of God falls afresh on every, every man that's up here, every dad. I ask you to bless them. Well, whatever their hand touches, let it prosper. Let them be men that take dominion. Let them be men that succeed. Let them be men that prosper. Let them be men that reign on the earth. Let them be men, Lord, that are able to duplicate themselves in the lives of young guys. I just pray that you just lighten the load of those that are carrying a heavy burden. I pray that you would intervene in those that are desperate for help. And keep us all on the right path for God. We love you a bunch. We ask you to bless these men in Jesus' name. Everybody say it? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, listen, as we close, we'll have Pastor Joe and others over here. If anybody needs any personal prayer, if you've got a problem, a struggle, if you're not right with God and you just need to talk to somebody this morning, just slip over right under the cross after we dismiss and uh, somebody will be happy to pray with you. But uh, where we're going to close our service, we've got some little gifts here, I think, on both sides. Just something to snack on on the way home. Tell you we love you. And this was a great day, wasn't it? Listen, God bless you. Pick up your gift. This concludes our service today. Thanks for coming. We'll see you Wednesday night.